Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is episode 101 with Helen Rowe. But exactly, you know, this is something that has happened in my business quite organically. And then I, I started to really enjoy it. I was like, this is really juicy stuff. This is like, um, okay, it's been around for a long time. The research has been there. But when I moved Teo from, um, you know, working in corporate and mass market where all those marketing roles had the resources and all that good stuff to implement and they were applying it. Then I set up my own business and I realized in the entrepreneurial space, actually, it's not present. It's very much one size fits all marketing. And a lot of guys and um, really weren't availing of it and aware of it even, you know. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody, to the As Told by Nomads podcast. I have to pause there because I was really excited about the our guest today, and I have to temper my excitement. So our guest today is Helen Rowe. Now, what we're talking about today is one of my favorite topics ever. It's women, and she's going to help us decode the mindset of a woman. But let me tell you a lot about who Ellen is. Ellen is a marketer, mentor, writer, mom, and business coach. She has over 16 years of experience with leading global brands like Coca-Cola, Colgate, Palmolive, Nivea, and Cowell Brands. Uh, she's been in senior management positions, marketing sales, but now she's passionate about sharing this skill set with entrepreneurs, trailblazers, as she helps build a thriving business that sustains lifestyles. So her mission today is to help guys decode marketing marketing to women right and she does this by writing for the Huffington Post and using her own platform and um, you know discussing this in leading Australian publications so before I, I give her a warm warm welcome guys this is one that you want to listen to so get your ears perked up and let Helen educate you because I feel like women are one of the most untapped demographic that we don't want to reach out to so I'm glad to have uh, someone who is an expert in that welcome to the show Ellen Thank you so much, Teo. It's a really pleasure to be here. I know. I mean, we were talking before the show. We were saying, um, you know, there was a time when 
there was sort of research about men and women. You guys said men are for Mars, women for Venus. And there was all this research about men and women. And something just came out scientifically. It said they're actually programmed differently. So the way you approach a man should be different from the way you approach a woman. Can you talk about mm-hmm. how that you know came about and how that led to you doing what you do? Sure, sure. So my background is has always been in the marketing and sales space. And when I was in corporate and, you know, these big brands, they were the first cutting edge access to um, all of this research. And it was pretty natural for them to blend that expertise into their marketing plans. Um, and part of all that consumer psychology is really, really fascinating because we do, as men and women, we're wired differently. So um, that that's across the board in life and everything, including our purchase decisions. So why then in marketing would we be any different? So we we have done that in that marketing space in mass market brands for quite a some time. But when I moved over to the entrepreneurial space, I was aware that it wasn't so prevalent. And a lot of entrepreneurs were marketing where they felt comfortable, where their audience was um, specifically either male or female. Now, really, they're actually um, underutilizing a huge, huge opportunity here because um, women, as we say, are the market. They're no longer a niche. Um, This research is telling us and has been for some time telling us, you know, women are making 80% of all purchase decisions. So they are the influencers and the key decision makers um, in the household, in relationships. And, you know, even as far back as 20 years ago, I recall how Nivea were tapping into this. They realized that Nivea for men, uh, it was actually the women buying it. So, um, you know, anything in health and beauty, that was initially probably the the, the start of they were right on top of it, aware that, well, actually, even if a guy is going to buy it, he's going to be hugely influenced by his partner or she's going to buy it for him. And that's not just in health and beauty. That's across everything from digital products to um, online learning to luxury cars, everything. Wow. So that's that's what excited me. And I thought, well, people want to grow their business and they want to attract more clients. So why not have a piece of the pie here? Why not reach out to these women, even if it's not directly obvious to you that they're your audience, because they are indirectly, whether or not, as I say, sometimes unless you're selling beer or fishing rods, you know, you need to be speaking to women. Absolutely. You know, so women purchase, uh, women purchasing power is a lot, a lot bigger than most people think. 80% is what you said, right? Yes, sure. 80, 80, I mean, that's going to be tailored per products. You know, some products it might be lower, some it might be higher, or some categories. But um, in terms of overall purchase decision and buying power, yes, it's it's a huge it's a huge um, percentage. Yeah, that's that's amazing. But I'm going to pause here and sort of give the audience a, a better background about who you are. So, you are Irish originally, right? Yes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Irish, Irish, and 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 I I want you to give the audience a chance to talk about your 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 beginnings because you started very much in the corporate environment. You in Ireland, you moved and went to the opposite side. You went to Australia, mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. a complete different culture. But along the way, you, you know, you discovered your journey, you discovered your passion, you discovered what you feel like you were best at. So can you give us that mm-hmm. timeline of what that was like as you being this amazing? Um, a young lady in the in the in corporate world and saying, you know what, I don't want to do corporate anymore. I want to do this. Yes, yeah, and you know, it, for a long, long time, it was my world. Um, travel has always been um, an intrinsic part of me. I remember as a kid, you know, um, looking up and seeing the jet streams in the sky and thinking, you know. 
where are they they going you know i want to go where they're going what's going on missing <laughs> something yeah there's, there's more um and um you know it started like being the youngest of six okay um a traditional irish catholic family we were we had a modest upbringing so really you know um, overseas travel wasn't on the agenda um so for me i felt how am i going to access this how can i get on one of those airplanes and uh, for me, it was definitely education. That was my door to, to travel. I, at, at 13, I um, had my first overseas trip to France, which for me then was like a student exchange. So that was an opportunity for me to experience um, another culture, another language. And really, that was the start of my passion for, um, I think, diversity and travel for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, university I studied my marketing and then actually as well did travel within that so as part of my studies I was overseas again in France and then um, I was fortunate enough to to move into um, yeah the you know sought after marketing role which was one of the big brands at the time so um, that was with Coca-Cola and you know after a couple of years I got itchy feet again and said right okay it's time to get my backpack and uh, travel and off I go much to the, to the dismay of my parents and also my employers at the time you thought you can't be serious here because at the time in the 90s you didn't really give up a really secure job like that <laughs> yes <laughs> um, but I had other plans and so off I went and um, yeah that actually took me to Australia as part of my travels and the states and um, I really did then know that, okay, I was going to probably come back here at some point, but that also I wanted this to be part of my lifestyle. So back then it was right, well, corporate provided that for me. So I was in a great um, a great uh, role that involved travel in Europe a lot. So I worked um, with various brands that had, you know, um, different subsidiaries across Europe. So it was exciting. It was fast paced and all of the things I enjoyed and it really um, it really established my understanding of marketing principles and skill sets and what was and what was um, being used out there in the marketplace um, but you know you evolve and as I um, as I um, my two daughters as well it was time for me then to reassess priorities and how, how it really complemented my life because my work at the time was my life so um, it, it really did take a back seat in terms of, well, there has to be a better way of doing this for me. I still enjoyed that world of marketing, but I felt it didn't resonate as much with those mass market brands that I had been working with. Hmm. And so then um, the GFC had hit at that time just towards, yeah, around 2008, um, nine. It was, yeah, it started. So we, um, yeah, looked as a family to um, seize the opportunity, which um, was overseas, definitely for us. Right. Um, at the time in Ireland, it wasn't where it was happening. And we had reached a certain standard of living and had worked hard and thought, right, well, we're not giving this up. So there has to be some other answer here rather than just sitting it out and potentially having to, um, you know, travel to the UK for work. So Australia beckoned. Australia. <laughs> and we thought, well, why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Let's go going to go somewhere let's go to the other side of the world so that's what we did um and i had a little hankering for being here in my 20s so um yeah we put it in place our children were young enough they hadn't started school so um we upped and and ended over here and you know i started back i thought initially we get everybody settled in and i thought right well i'll go back to my corporate um corporate world 
And really, I had to have a good hard look at that because I knew if I was brave enough to move um, with my family to the other side of the world where we knew nobody, that I could really try and stretch myself and do something other than falling into um, a, a cubicle lifestyle again. So um, I, I took the plunge, yeah, to to set up my own business and um, had some support along the way. Like I really did tap into some mentoring and coaching. It wasn't sort of an overnight, yeah, let's do this. Um, even though I am quite impulsive and really it has grown from there yeah it's grown from there and now I enjoy I enjoy using all the same skill sets that I've had um, over the years and grown but really just working with people who have a meaningful um, a really meaningful purpose in what they do you know that really is what excites me that they're passionate about it and I get to help them build that passion love it love it you know immediately when you were talking I picked up on four things first thing French do you had like huh. this particular uh, connection in France? Do you do tu parles français? Uh, un petit peu, oui. <laughs> Moi, si je parle français, mais um, <laughs> but yeah, I I always love uh, love it whenever I interview someone and they say something French or they have a connection. I haven't been to France, but I lived in a French speaking country, and it's always one of my countries to go to. So I was like, yeah, okay, good. Might be able uh. to sneak into French words because I'm gonna practice it much. Yeah. And then the other thing was was how you pivoted. Uh, I was, I'm always interested and amazed by um, by pivoting because, like you, I am impulsive. But the the fact that you recognize that it, it's okay to pivot because you know you had, you had reached a certain level of success, and you were even saying at some at the time people were like, "Why would you even consider doing something else? This is what you want. This is what society is saying." And I, I imagine also, you know. Um, yeah, there might be stuff with gender, you know, as a woman, you're like, well, what are you doing? You know, this is different. Um, I'm just curious if you felt nervous at any point and, 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 and <laughs> oh, you're laughing. That means it's true. So if, and, and, I think and, that's an understatement. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> because, because you, you get all this stigma. See, I, I mean, I, you get, what are you a woman? You're a man. You're this. Why are you doing this? What are you doing? What is, what are you thinking you're doing? I just wondered if you could share a little bit more on that because I know that a lot of people in the audience there are in that transitionary phase. Mm-hmm. Mission statement of this podcast is use your difference to make a difference or dare to do something different. And a lot of people email me and they talk about, you know, Tayo, I love this. This is what I'm passionate about, but I can't do this or my culture wouldn't allow me to do this. I'm supposed to be a doctor. I'm supposed to be that. But, you know, you're someone who reached the top and decided to just go somewhere else. So I'm curious to hear your and, thoughts. And it is. It's it's definitely not something for everybody. However, um, there are a few key things. You know, you talk about, um, yeah, it is. It's it's a big transition. Um, but big people are up to, you know, or big things. If you're up for big things, you're up, you're up for this. You can do the change and the transition. It's, it's really about um, identifying for you what is important because for a long time I was aware of what was important for other people and even when I was working behind big brands I was representing those brands and, and really um, didn't have my own identity. So for me to understand what that was first and how I could then market it and serve it, serve, use it as a service for others, um, that was a process. And like, you know, it, it, it is, look, it's, it's, um, it's definitely... 
a risk, but you have you can take calculated risks. You know, I started out um, in tandem with um, some some secure work, so there was definitely always something coming in. Um, I also tested my market and um, tried out a few pro bono clients to see were they um, were they biting? Was I making any sense? Um, I got good feedback from really good mentors around me. And the hardest part is sometimes family and friends don't actually get it. And the thing that really I would suggest your listeners here, Teo, is that's that's okay sometimes. That's actually okay. Because it's really about you understanding what you do and finding your tribe of people who do get what you do. Right. And right. once and once that's okay, um you really like Friends and family will always be well-meaning and supportive, um, but it's not your job to to convince them that what you're doing is the right thing. It's just your job to know that if they see you confident and happy and supported, um, then they will support that too. I think that was a big a big thing for me to really understand that. Yeah. I was I was fortunate that my parents are very supportive of um, of that that that, that whole um, avenue of, of risk taking. They have my dad had done that in the past as well so he um he was very uh, very much um i guess yeah go for it you know go for your dreams even though he had no clue what i was doing <laughs> he was like <laughs> I, I just understand when you're a marketing manager but i don't know what you are now mentor coach what is that coach what is it so what do who do you work with i there's no name who's what's their name so it, it didn't it was hard for him if it, it wasn't tangible he couldn't really so identify with it but yet he had faith and support in me and and that does help when you have those people around but sometimes they're not family and friends and you have to go and find them you have to find your little mastermind and your peers who will build you up so right and you know you're right i mean many times you know i am nigerian and a lot of the culture is you know if you go to a foreign country you do not disrespect the family name Mm -hmm. and if you Mm -hmm. if they're sending you to an american university you better come back with a law degree or a doctor degree or something <laughs> that they can boast about to their friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, you know, when I explain sometimes what I do, it's always interesting here in a perspective, but it's been, it's such a good thing if you have a supportive family, but sometimes your friends, you're right, your friends are, and, mm-hmm. and, and people close to you might be the people that would be surprisingly against what you're saying. And we're like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's, it's always good for you, like you said, to surround yourself with, mentors coaches but also do a few things pro bono sometimes but it's go speak mm-hmm. for free whether mm-hmm. to test out mm-hmm. your product and just so you know what you're doing and calculated risks is very very important like you said and i love i'm just highlighting points you you, you brought up but taking calculated risks understanding that you know this is this is you know now full-on jumping out in the deep end sometimes mm-hmm. might be the best thing. Mm-hmm. and some people might even prefer full-on jumping off the deep end but i think finding a happy medium with you know exactly. doing something that you're perfect uh, that you feel like you're passionate about as well as you know taking that gamble is, is definitely definitely worth it you remind me of Sheryl Sandberg a lot I don't know if you know her but of her <laughs> I but, do indeed I'm very flattered <laughs> yes yes because I you know I, I really lean in and I always I, I people always laugh at me but I, I often call myself a feminist because I'm really into equal rights and I always talk about this but I obviously I'm not a woman so <laughs> it doesn't necessarily translate but I, I always research this stuff um, because mm-hmm. as I as I you know you know work in diversity fields and talk about that there's so many things that I feel like the, the female perspectives uh, are just not highlighted and I'm like what are we doing so yeah. but to, to transition to that you have several ways that people can reach out to the female audience and I read your your Huffington yeah. Post article on that, but 
I was very fascinated by you had like a seven step process. Well, how would you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the here's the thing, Taylor, right? There's first of all, we got to ask ourselves why women, right? Because there's going to be no incentive for um, for guys in business to really want to look at this as an opportunity unless they recognize it is. It's a massive opportunity. So we've talked about how they're making so much of the purchases, but there's also other key drivers there. So women women drive more sales than men, okay? And the key factor influencing that is word of mouth. So we all know that's one of the best forms of marketing. Um, and really, when you get a female buyer on board and into your client base, they start doing the selling for you. Mm. And that's the great thing about a woman. A guy will, like, I mean, you know, there again, there's research to back this up. A guy will not get as involved in, you know, spreading the word or say, did you get this? They will definitely do it sometimes, but women is pretty much guaranteed. Um, so that's one of the key um, the key drivers. And no, the other one is that we're more profitable. Women um, are more profitable to have in your in your um, audience because we are so loyal. So we will return again and again to buy whatever that product or service is because we trust. Uh, we know we like and trust what you have to offer. And that loyalty is something that is, um, yeah, it just drives your profit. It's, it's why, would, why look for a new customer when you have one currently that will come back and buy from you again. And when, when guys are looking at their marketing, they might think, oh, that's great. You know, that's another niche for me to look at. Um, it's, it's bigger than the niche. As I said before, it is a market in itself. Um, <laughs> and, you know, thinking that marketing to women sort of will alienate your male audience that's another one that's another one that we think that yeah well you know what if I do that then am I going to lose all my male base Mm. and actually the opposite is true um, because of the purchase decision process so when we um, when we market to women um, and we meet their expectations we actually um, exceed the expectations of men so not, not insulting men it's just that their requirements are different versus the woman's when they go to buy the same thing they 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 do identify in certain areas but what is on the woman's list there's more on that list so therefore she has more requirements to meet before she invests in something and a guy will have some of what's on that list but not as much so therefore when you're marketing to the woman you will also be exceeding the expectations of the man love it I mean, you're, and you're so right yeah. it, it's it's not a niche it's a full-on market um mm-hmm. and the marketing power and marketing i think back to growing up you know my mom married you know married a diplomat dad's a diplomat all the purchase mm-hmm. and decisions were my mom you know mm-hmm. what i wore what my brothers wore when you look back on my mom what i ate what i did everything the tv i uh-huh. watched I used to watch soap operas, uh, like BDS. <laughs> yeah, I used to watch every, and I always tell my mom, you know, she's like the strongest woman I know. I always say, like, I, you know, mom, I, every time I grow up, I, I just think back to all the times and I say, a lot of my decisions are based on what you taught me and what you influenced me yeah. in some way. Yeah. So it's crazy that not to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So you're so right. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. mean to cut you off there, but I was just like, I was, I was saying that. No, it's, it's okay. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's that's really good. You're in touch with your feminine side. It's absolutely good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but um, the other one as well, Teo, is we often look at it as if it's going to cost more in terms of a budget. So for any business owner, any entrepreneur, it's like, well, this is just one more thing for me to do. Well, actually, it's not. It's about doing things differently. So um, it's um, it's really about tailoring that message so that it resonates with your audience. Um, and speaks to the female rather than a generic. 
Gotcha. No, and, and, and uh, you you raise a great point. So, if I was to go with your model, like what you said on HuffTo-Post, one of the first things that men need to do, and millennial or entrepreneurs, period, need to do is tailor the marketing. Right? Why is that very mm-hmm. important to tailor the marketing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's a phrase in in marketing. We say when you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. So. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Um it is all about a niche, you know, a target market, an avatar, whatever you want to call it. Um and really, for the message to reach somebody, you have to speak to them, not at them. And tailoring a message is all about understanding what that customer's needs are. And you're talking to them, bringing to them the solution to that problem. So they have a problem or a pain point, and you're bringing the solution to that. Um, and, and really, the messaging and tailoring it is all about meeting them where they're at. So it's about, hey, I get it. You you know, this is um, how life is or this is what you're experiencing. Um, but you've got it. We can we can we can solve this problem. We can, you know, bring whatever result it is that you bring um, and, and, and um, deliver an outcome for them. So tailoring the message allows you to do that. If it's so generic and broad, you just, it's not possible. You can't, it, it's because it's not speaking to any problem. It's not speaking to any person. And um, yeah, there's basically nobody will be listening to it. Right, and and, you, and that's a good distinction to make because you said women are the market, but even when you're marketing women, don't just market to, you know, like ah, I'm just going to market to give a blanket type of marketing statements because I see a lot of mm-hmm. brands do that because when mm-hmm. they tell a brand you're too masculine, make it more feminine, do they do this with diversity mm-hmm. too, you know, they try to put in one black man or one, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Asian, it's up, oh, oh, you done a diversity mm-hmm. quota, so or we put mm-hmm. a woman here. I feel like a lot of brands miss the mark when they feel like they've checked a box and that's the mindset yes. that they're doing. So if they don't actually seek to understand or evaluate the opportunity, like you, like you were saying, it could be it could be interesting. I feel like they're not, they're not asking the opinion of the target market. I feel like they're just deciding what they feel like would work. Do you agree? That's exactly it, Taylor. That's exactly it. So you go and you spend, you know, this marketing budget and um, a lot of the time you don't actually even get feedback in advance from your audience and that's the biggest mistake you can make. Um, is not asking them, is this something that you need, you know? Right. Um, that's the first point I would suggest for any, especially any male entrepreneurs or any business owners who don't know what their female audience want or if their product or service is is appealing to them, is to go and find out. To actually, I mean, you know, there's 
there's just an unlimited um, number of ways you can do it through polls, through surveys, through forums online, um, to get that feedback and really, really understand what it is they're looking for. And even if you are currently serving a female audience, to ask them to say, does this resonate with you? How does how does my branding sit with you? What, what do you think when you think of my product or service? Um, and find out really from their from their their words what it is that that you're doing right and what it is that you're doing wrong love it love it love it and it's you know and you have some, a good point about getting the female audience involved how do you get the female audience involved say i want i wanted to to get into to launch a product or launch a mm-hmm. service how do i get her to buy in really to what I'm saying. Yes. Well, first of all, um, you need to speak to her, and that is, you know, asking her what her needs and desires are and what her wants are. So, if you have um, a personal training program and you think, okay, this is going to be for mums and um, post baby losing weight, that's great, but you actually don't know you're not inside their head you don't know what they what they're going to be drawn to even though even though you have the features and the, the how the program is going to work they're not necessarily interested in that they're interested in the results and the outcome and how it's going to make them feel and are they going to look good so um the, the, the easiest and the fastest route to find that out is to actually um is to actually question them and interview them and if you don't have access to that audience straight away, um, put yourself um, in a position where you can. So go to where they are at. Go to their the gyms, the um, clubs, and and really either do you can. Another great way is offering um, talks and educate so that you actually can can show that you're in a position of leadership and expertise in your topic, but that then you're open to their advice as well in terms of tailoring your your services to what their needs are and really just um and getting some dialogue going there as to as to what they um they really need from you so you know go figure women just want to be heard that that's what you're saying yeah that's big <laughs> yeah the big point here that um you know often is missed out of the equation and that is listening ah. <laughs> it's an easy one it's an easy one <laughs> and it's a simple strategy that uh, men often don't do when we move into sales territory we tend to have an agenda have a script and um, work towards the close and you know all um all of that can actually really, really send you in a, in a tailspin because what a woman wants is for you to actually see, do you understand if her needs are going to be met by buying this product? Yeah. And there's no way for you to understand that unless you can actually listen to what she's saying. So you might think, oh, she's talking about how if she's buying a car, she's talking about the kids and how she's going to do sports and pick up and all this kind of stuff. You think, but she's just, she's just buying a car. Yeah, but it's how that purchase affects her lifestyle ah. it's every aspect of it it's where she's going to put the loose change it's where she's going to take the dog out of the beach all of these things um are impacted in there and really sometimes you know we talk about the nod and um the the typical stereotype salesman will be talking away and you'll see you see the uh, the female buyer nodding and he thinks that's great that she's in agreement with everything he's saying and she's actually talking she's actually thinking what is he talking about you know um that's part of her body language to say "Uh uh-huh I hear you I hear you whereas he sees that as oh she understands and she gets it she gets it but it's not the same one is thinking one thing and one is thinking another they're just 
um, different responses and different um, different meanings. So really, listening will will um, eliminate all of that because when you listen, you can actually then determine and decipher what what to ask next. You know, what is it that that will help you um, understand if this product or service is right for you? Yeah, I mean, so she's thinking big picture. She's thinking it's 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 more than linear. She's thinking how everything would work in you know from beginning to end bottom to end right that and that's what you know you know i i'm guilty of this i go to a, a shop or a, a store and if i'm with you know a female friend or mom i'm like okay yeah five hours this is what's gonna happen i just want to get into the shoe but yeah. what, what you're telling me and what i'm reading on your on your and your model here is you should let her shop around you really should let her shop around yeah it's a different buying process, and you talked. You mentioned the word exactly there, linear. Uh, a guy has a, a purchase decision is very linear. It's point A to point B. A woman is very non-linear, so you could say she's almost zigzagging from point A to point B. But she gets to point B because she makes a different path, a different journey in between, um, and often that can be toing and froing, and you know, multitasking in between. But she has a list that's slightly longer. She's just got more requirements to check off before she makes that purchase. Mm. And it's key to allow her that time and to actually understand it so that even though now she's saying no, it doesn't mean no for good. It means maybe there's some follow-up entailed. So so definitely it's the yeah it's recognizing that difference in purchase um decision making. Wow. You know and I'm picking up a few things here. You hear us all the time <laughs> listen guys you got to listen. First of all let her shop around but also if you acquire a lady as a uh, as a customer consumer she's mm-hmm. going to be your evangelist. And she's she's she, and, and it's going to be over a lifetime, I mean, maybe not over a lifetime, but over an extended period of time that a typical man would do, right? She would talk yeah. about it, share it, and it'll be like one of those um, kind of organic type of things that actually spread your word. She does the marketing for you, and that's one of the best, one of the good reasons why you should actually incorporate, incorporate reaching out to to female audiences because they, if they really love your product, they will love your product forever, more exactly. than not. Yeah. <laughs> It's the snowball effect, you know. It just keeps working away by itself and rolling and rolling and rolling and 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 gathering more more customers and more clients for you. Um, so it is. It's the best marketing tool you can use, and really you can encourage that as well. You can you can trigger that word of mouth with the referral systems. Um, often we think you know they're they're quite traditional or um, might be a little bit pushy. Um, if they're presented well and correctly, a referral system can work equally as well for you. And, and really get that word of mouth in motion. If you have something good to sell and offer um, and your clients get an outcome that they're really happy about, well, why not get them to spread the word for you and encourage that with a bonus or some incentive? Um, and women love that. They love to be able to, to share something that works for them and they want that to, to, to um, be available to their friends as well and their family or whoever's in their circle. Right. And um, that last point, they want that to be available to their friends as well. Leads me to this point. This was this was the last point you raised in your article. It's empathize, don't exclude. Mm. 
Mm, mm. So I talk about men are very much um, focused on their own um, agenda. If they're buying something, this isn't a purchase decision. Um, a woman would be more collective in terms of bringing others into that decision-making process. So she will look to maybe her friends or for some recommendations. And that's why it's really, really important to have um, some kind of testimonial or feedback from other clients who can share what they felt when they purchased it. So it's about really getting a decision that's um, got input from other people. And, and really understanding that that's how she processes her decision and it's not necessarily on the spot for her. And again, this is, this is, a, this is um, a broader model. It, it's not every single female buyer, but it is, it is definitely a, a trend of buyers. And so it's empathizing in that and understanding that side of it rather than um, leaving her in isolation to make that decision on her own. Right. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's good. And I'm, I'm glad you really broke down all those points because those are... Those are all key things, and, and they might sound simple, but they're not actually implemented. Mm-hmm. They're not implemented, and, and it's it's crazy how you broke them down. But the way you gave your your validation for each point just makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And, okay, so now there's one side. That's one side. Marketing mm-hmm. to women. Now, if I the women in the audience are, are listening to you, Helen, right now, and they're saying, "Wow, Ellen, you're a marketer, you're a mentor, you're a writer, you're a mom, and you're a business coach, you're." You know, wife, you do all these things. How? You mean it's today's world? Can I have it all as a woman? I mean, what would society think? What What am I doing? Can I? I want to have a family, but I want to also pursue my career. What do you say to to her right now? I would say, and this, I'm borrowing this one from a mentor. I would say you can have it all. You just can't do it all. <laughs> So, and it took me a while to realize that. So, um, you know, there's certain things that are really key for me to be able to do. And then I realized there's certain things that are not necessary for me to do. And you do have to delegate. And, you know, when we're all starting out, yes, we're bootstrapping and you have to cover up doing every single aspect of your web development and your business development and your marketing and all that great stuff. But as soon as you can, um, fund some investment to delegate some of those roles so that you focus on your area of strengths. And that's when your your business takes off. And I think also your life because um, I find as being a mom, that's a challenge. I've carved in that time now into my into my day. However, um, it, it's important for me that I have that that's completely undistracted um, time. But for a long time, I was putting work in there and I was, you know, um, frustrated that I couldn't um, get the balance right. And I thought, well, you know, that's kind of a loose of that balance myth anyway, because there's never a perfect day where I can say I was so balanced today. You know, balance is really about what is that for you? So sometimes for me, it is maybe, you know, burning the midnight oil. And then other days, I'm sure that I may I ensure that I, I take time out to really replenish and uh, maybe take the morning off and just do something for myself. Um, so it's about identifying what, um, what what's really important and also um, doing things that are going to help you become the person you want to be, the business owner you want to be, the wife you want to be, the um, or have the lifestyle that you want to have. So, you know, every activity I, I take on board, I ask myself, okay, well, this is in work especially, I would ask myself, is this taking me closer to where I want to be? And I would also ask, is there somebody else that could be doing this? Mm. 
because oftentimes there is somebody else that could be doing this. So I'm not going to be cleaning the house when I know actually I could get a, you know, I could get help in for that and use that time to really be productive, find two new clients, publish an online article or um, whatever it is I need to do in my business. So it's about prioritizing, but also really um, acting like the business owner that you want to be and, and making decisions from that place. Um, and I think that becomes more empowering rather than saying, oh, yeah, I can do it all and I want to do it all because we can't, you know, you, you need help. And, and for me to actually open up to that and, and realize that was one of the biggest um, changing um, moments, really, of realization for me that actually now I know why I can achieve all I want to achieve because I've got help along the way. And, and that is, is, is for me how it's been possible. Wow. Yeah, no, you're so mm. right, and those are very relatable things. You, um, you can, you you can have it all, but you can't do it all. But you can't do it all. Yes. Do it all. all right. Well, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> but Helen, you're not all work. In fact, you do have some random tidbits <laughs> about you. I just happen <laughs> to think that one of them would be you're infatuated with France as a young girl, and then at 13 okay, years you, old, you, you declared you, to your mom. That you're going to do the French exchange program. Now, you touched on this a little bit, but you didn't tell me that you declared to your mom that you're going to do that French yeah. exchange program at that young of an age. Yeah, she often brings that back. And she was the one who reminded me of that, actually. She said, yeah, you were you were like gazing up at the sky, like, you know, you're, you had a, you know, crick in your neck. And I said, well, um, I knew I had to find my way around it some way. So um, mom is I probably get my, my determination and some somewhat stubbornness from her. So there's a pair of us in it. But um, yeah, I, she knew I wasn't going to give in on that one. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I stayed committed and yeah, got the goods in the end. <laughs> you did, you did. Now you love new stationery so much that... You never want you never want to use it. <laughs> I just love that new smell, a new book, a new um, when you open up, you know, a new packet of pens. I just new pencil cases. I just love that. I think that comes back to being again a kid. Something oh. about that, like you know, oh. in the new year at school or something. Um, I have, I it, yeah, I, I'm I'm coming clean on that one. It's definitely it, you know it's something what? I can't get away from. Send her rusty books, people. Rusty old library books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you speak Irish with your husband when you don't want the girls to understand your conversation. Kupla uh, fuckle. Yeah, we do. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Is that Irish? <laughs> That's Irish. That just means a couple of words. That's um, wow. yeah. So we all learned Irish growing up, and uh, they obviously started school here in Australia, so they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> So, so when you speak that Irish, it's not English, or is it English, or is it like Celtic? No, no, it's 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 yeah, unique to Ireland. It is our language. Yeah, wow. It's still it's still spoken in parts of Ireland today in the west and in the south. Yeah, I'm so jealous. In Nigeria, we have something called Pidgin English, which is very uh -huh. very, very very broken English. And we always make fun of like foreigners where when we come back, like, ah, we're speaking English. It's just broken. And they're like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, minimal, no, no. Minimal English. Exactly. <laughs> but Australia too has a different type of English though. So I have some Australian friends and they, they when they're together, they go into yeah. this bit where they just go start talking and, and they do it on purpose because they know I'm there. And they're like, yeah. oh, what? What did you say? So yeah, that's They abbreviate everything. The Aussies abbreviate everything. So yeah, they've got like short words like avo and stuff, you know, that um, for afternoon. And I thought they were talking about an avocado. I didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, 
there's 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 a language for for every culture I think um and they make it their own which is makes it so much so much more interesting I think I'm I'm, more, I'm so fascinated by all this as you can tell this stuff just blows my <laughs> mind now, this is even more amazing you represented Ireland in uh, in the European Youth Olympics and athletics yeah and you had to undergo a drug test <laughs> yeah yeah can you imagine my horror at 16 years of age giving being given a yeah a test tube and asked to contribute so you know strange things have happened but um yeah i, I was um you know a big big athlete in in my teenage years and um competed for ireland overseas and uh yeah i mean at the time it was it was my world it was my thing but you know i went to university then and i realized yeah it's it was all of my life and now i want other things so i mean i'm still passionate about fitness and um enjoy running you know um, but that was the height of it. That was definitely one of one of the highlights. So, we were competing, competing in the Youth Olympics for sure. What event? What event was it? Like a hundred? It was the four hundred. Yeah, it was the four hundred. Probably one of the hardest. I still think it's one of the hardest events because it's not short distance. It's not long distance. It's the killer in between. It's a sprinting and a long distance all in one. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, I compete. I did a lot of athletics growing up too. But I competed, uh, competed yeah. rather in a West African version of that and. Yeah, my four, the first four hundred. I've been training for fifteen hundred and hundred meters, so it was that long distance and short distance. And then I sort of found that I was doing four hundred like a few days before. So I was like, "Yeah, I got this." So once the race started, I started off sprinting. I didn't even like pace myself. Oh, I started no, off sprinting, and then I knew that I, I, I. This was I was a mistake. As soon as I did it, I was looking. No, I have to do this. Like I have to go around that track more, more times yeah. than I needed. But my ego wouldn't let me stop. So I was like, I can't be this far ahead and flame out. So I just kept going and going. It was one of those mental things, and I ended up winning. But instead, when I oh, you when, won. yeah, but when I crossed the line, all I did was collapse and laid on the floor. Everybody was cheering. I was like, I can't. I just give me water right now. I, don't wanna, I couldn't even say anything. But. Hey, I yeah, tactics agree. next time, Teo, tactics. <laughs> I completely agree. 400 is harder. I just thought, like you said, yeah. I thought 400. I did yeah, 1,500, yeah, I did 100. What's 400? But you're so right because I was like, if I really was competing with people that were really, really into this, I would have been smoked <laughs> by it. But um, you're so right about that. So fun sides, what else do you – I heard you had a gift for, for the audience. I, I, I get, oh yes I do I, thanks for reminding me okay so what I've done is we've got two things actually for your listeners today I've created a unique uh, resource link for everybody um, it's at helenrowe.com forward slash influence so that's h-e-l-e-n-r-o-e dot com mm-hmm. forward slash influence and I have on there a free guide for guys um, the mistakes to avoid when marketing to women so we've covered off some of them but there's some really good actionables in there to to help you implement straight away some some key changes in your marketing and your positioning for women. Right. And then the second thing is because I'm so passionate about this topic, I'm opening up um, five spots complimentary for a breakthrough session for um, guys to help them get unstuck with their marketing and really get some clarity and direction around this potential of leveraging uh, the opportunity on marketing to women. Wow. So, um, yeah, you're open to apply there. The listeners um, jump onto that. HelenRowe.com, right? That's that's the home. It's the hub. Yes, yes. And then the page is at forward slash influence. Oh, well, there you go. She's she's an athlete. She's a mom. She's an amazing lady. She's multifaceted. 
she makes me jealous because she can speak all these languages. <laughs> she can speak Irish, French, English, everything. So, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I, I mean, I think what you said today has been it's been enlightening, and like I said, it's very actionable steps that people can take, but people don't actually implement. And I, I mm-hmm. really love that you're raising awareness about this, and you're shining a light for us guys that don't listen because we don't. <laughs> I we don't. <laughs> but uh, thank you for reminding us of the Uh-oh. the the fact that we have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed the tale. So thank you for having me, and thanks to all your listeners for for tuning in too. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.